If it wasn't bad enough having your supervisor looking over your shoulder every five minutes in the office, then what about asking you to keep Zoom on all day while you're working from home? Don't they trust you? On a personal level, it's all very Orwellian, but on a business level, is surveillance supervising even effective? Hi, Heidi and Brent, and welcome to episode five. So is Big Brother watching us in our home offices really a help or is it a hindrance? It's interesting early on in this whole, in the whole pandemic and the remote work world, there were people that were getting Zoom fatigue because they, they had to be on Zoom all day because their manager needed to see them. That's a very old fashioned managerial style management by walking around. Right. Uh, but that's how they felt that they were engaging with their staff is by seeing them and talking to them. When in fact it was counterproductive because it was causing the employees to be fatigued and not getting their work done because they were too busy answering random questions. Right. On the traverse of what we're talking about, you can think about it from the organization side. They look at their productivity and their stock prices and their performance has significantly gone down initially during the pandemic. And they blamed that on not just a pandemic, but everybody was working remotely. That since has come back. Profitability has come back, stock prices have gone back up, and everyone's still working remotely. So that initial thinking on their part was, it's because they're the pandemic and everybody's at home, they started to blame the remote work on part of their fiscal challenges. Now, what else is going to be proven if you take the time to look at what was successful in remote work and what needs to be adjusted? And maybe it's not putting people on Zoom eight hours a day. And I'm going to hit on this Zoom fatigue question because it's actually very interesting. We believe that things happen in meetings. That is a question of belief as much as a religion is a question of belief. Do you have data to back up that meetings produce things and have a purpose? Meetings are fundamentally a structure of in-office work. So of course, if you take something you did in the office and you shove it onto Zoom and you change nothing, guess what? It doesn't work. If you're surprised by that, you're slow. It's a question of really rethinking how we're looking at things, how we're seeing what the results are, and then planning backwards to functional and what makes sense. And that's what people are failing to do. They're just going with a binary in the office, out of the office. They're not changing the way they think. You know, should all employees come back to the office? My, my thoughts are, well, Perhaps some of them do. And when I started my career as a, as a video editor, that, that, that sort of community of editors was fantastic. I learned a lot from other editors. We, we would try and outperform each other on how quick an edit could be. <laughs> or or, or we'd, we'd embrace new music styles. We'd discuss edits. It was a very collaborative sort of process. But I still do a lot of work for people in Europe. You know, at five o'clock in Dublin, you know, the time difference of me being here in Denver, I could be told what I need to edit while they're asleep, I'm working. They wake up in the morning and they've got the edit to review that they ordered before they left the office the night before. That's... I think what organizations need to figure out is 
how are they going to not necessarily measure performance of their remote employees, but ensure that their remote employees are adding value to the organization? You don't have to monitor them. You don't have to have Zoom on all day so you can see them sitting at their desk. How do you measure productivity in the pre-pandemic world? And how are you going to measure productivity in the post-pandemic world? In your particular case, you create a product. That product then goes to someone else and they do something to it. Right. In our world, we are a no sunset corporation. We work with everybody all over the planet. We do calls at 2 a.m. if that needs to be. We can measure our performance on how do our organizations work? How do they respond to what we do? If you don't have a way of measuring your organization's performance in a remote environment, people are going to be nervous. Tim Cook is nervous about letting people just do what they do because they're professionals. By God, wouldn't want them to do what they know how to do. And, and I'll just hit back on that very specifically to the examples you gave. Both of them are high advantage. One of them is an apprenticeship learning environment, which every organization needs to have an apprenticeship environment. Right. The other one is speed and opportunity to turn things around faster by utilizing flexibility. Both of those are good things, but again, we go back to the, have you really looked at what you're trying to achieve? And when you define where you're going and roll back from there, all sorts of opportunities emerge. For example, with that apprenticeship approach, you could have a program that says we're taking on six new editors this year, yep. send out to the beginning of the year, every senior editor. These are the weeks that you are expected to be in the office to work with the apprentices. Right. And these are the topics and the skills that we expect you to train them in, support them in, query them on, bring them along with. And with that, you can have them taken off the rotation for a 2 a.m. editing job for that period of time where they're supporting the apprentices. Define where you're going and then think about how you're getting there. Yeah, and, and I think going back to what Brent was saying, my job, it's very easy to, to know when you open the inbox in the morning what I have done. So to measure my productivity is, is pretty straightforward. I wanted to come over to uh, what's happening at Google. Mm -hmm. Google has been caught between insisting staff must report to a worksite multiple times per week, while a high-level executive just announced he'll be continuing his role from New Zealand. And this is a very inconsistent message. I mean, if, if one of your clients was proposing such a thing, what would your advice be? Don't be surprised when people quit. <laughs> How's that for a starter? The human being is very sensitive to inequality of treatment as anyone who has a brother or sister would know. So right. don't be surprised if you're going to implement policies like that and people leave. Right. The only people not leaving are the people who can't get a job someplace else. And that should really scare you. Yeah, I mean yeah. that- Sometimes the people that stay around aren't necessarily the ones you want to stay around. Other times organizations will put golden handcuffs on people you know, such good pay, such good benefits, such good retirement, that people are afraid to walk away. So there are different reasons why people leave. It's also generational. When you're young in your career, 
you're more than willing to bounce around from organization to organization to find something that you think fits you best. Right. And I think that if you look at loyalty to companies has been eroding over decades. It's rare that you find someone who puts in an entire career. If loyalty as a reflex is eroding and transparency is going up, you can't keep things like that secret and people will react. It was not a good look from Google. It remains not a good look. And I think staff at that particular organization are becoming much more cynical about getting what they can out of them and then leaving for something that is less ridiculous. And I, I will be the Google advocate. They probably had someone in their public relations department said, it is best if we just say this out loud instead of people finding out later. Yeah. Which, yes, but it's still a bad move. Yeah. It, it still looks like one rule for you and another for us, however right. however it's presented. A, a very cynical friend of mine, he uh, is now working remotely and having no problems with it and enjoying it. He said he thinks the people in his company that have the biggest issue with working remotely are probably middle management because it's very difficult to walk around looking busy. <laughs> and I, again, this goes back to your productivity. How do you gauge productivity of someone in a middle management position? <laughs> well, let's talk about the design of an organization and how that came to be. In a standard model of an organization, you have the knowledge base, the, the workers. You have middle management, which used to be the workers, and then you have senior management. Do we need that middle management as extensive as we used to in the past when they had to walk around and look busy? No. <laughs> Do we need that? Uh, there is an old phrase in HR, it's called span of control, where every supervisor should only supervise seven to 10 people. In the remote world, could that span of autonomy be much bigger right. in span of control? I, I will join your cynical friend in that. Um, <laughs> this is 15 years ago. I worked in an organization where we had your standard Monday meeting. And at the standard Monday meeting, there were some people who worked remote from our office. And the person who talked longest and most without purpose was the person who felt that he had to show he had done something during the week. <laughs> he took up, in a department of 15 people, easily half the meeting talking about everything he's done. And he was a lesson for me that if you are insecure about how valuable your work is to the strategy and purpose of the organization, you'll fluff anything just to look like you need to keep your job. Right, absolutely. To all you middle management people out there who are quaking in their boots, I think it's really about working out a new way to show how uh, productive you are. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting question to ask, to loop back to your, what about at the beginning of my career? Maybe that middle management role needs to become a development role to junior people on the team. Right. Just because the technology has leapt over the purpose of how you did your work previously doesn't mean there aren't new areas that desperately need your skills. 
I think we're going to get to the point where technology is advancing. Each generation is more technologically savvy than the previous. You know, people will come to job interviews, they will impress, and the caveat will be, but I do need to work remotely. Um, of course, we all wish that COVID had never have happened, but this respite from business as normal, what do you hope your clients may have got from that experience? I guess I hope, as with any experience, you learn from it. Only if you conduct a real lessons learned, and that doesn't matter if we're talking about a project delivery to a client or if we're talking the COVID pandemic. It's a worthless sacrifice if you don't take the time to look at what did we learn out of this. And it really is. It, it's a time to learn. Society is shifting. Organizations need to shift. The world is moving. Keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. I don't think things will quite be the same again. Thank you both for your incredibly informative insight into the changing world of remote uh, working. What have we got to look forward to in our next podcast? I think we're looking at steering your organization. Think about your organization like a really big boat. Perhaps that boat that got caught in the Suez Canal and got (laughs) stuck. Do you really understand the levers you have to steer it? Excellent. Look forward to finding out more. Thank you both so much. Have a good day. And thank all our listeners. Thank you.